Our family of listeners is growing every week. Thanks for listening live and through all our digital broadcasting channels. Spread the word to your friends to join our weekly conversation. It's time to think about the Bible like you never have before. This is Christian Questions, our website, ChristianQuestions.com. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Napoleon Hill once said, Patience, persistence, and perspiration make an unbeatable combination for success. Welcome to Christian Questions. I'm Rick, and this is not your typical Christian commentary as we look at Bible-related topics from a different perspective. You might say that ours is a long-term approach as we've been broadcasting the good news of the gospel for over 18 years. And I'm Jonathan, and that long-term different perspective has its basis in three things. Godly principles, family values, honest dialogue, always done in a politically free zone. Rick, today is our 972nd broadcast, and we've talked the gospel with listeners on several talk radio stations throughout the eastern and central United States for many years. That's right, and we figured it was time to bring the good news of the, to, of the gospel to the whole world by way of podcasting, so here we are. So we thank you for joining us today. This is a call-in format. We are caller-friendly. So, Jonathan, let's get started. What's the subject matter for today? Well, Rick, our question is, what's your hurry? <laughs> our theme text is found in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36. For you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. So the question is, what's your hurry? And I think we should start this out in a unique fashion. Slow down, you move too fast. You got to make the morning last. Just kicking down the cobblestones. Looking for fun and feeling groovy. Feeling groovy. And Jonathan, the bottom line is we are not patients, not anymore. It used to be, just a few decades ago, that when you needed to talk to someone far away, you waited until the day ended, you went home, you had dinner, and then you tried to call them. Several decades before that, you thought about what you wanted to say, and you wrote them a letter. You sent it, and then you waited. Now, we simply and instantly text them, and usually get a pretty instant answer as well. Not only do we not have patience, we have a hard time teaching it to others. Our children have the privilege and problem of instant access, instant answers, and instant fun, which leads them to instant frustration when something doesn't go as expected. Patience. Jesus told us, in your patience possess ye your souls. Turns out that there's much more to that statement than meets the eye. So what is the Bible's real message regarding patience for Christians. And that's really, really where we want to park ourselves today, Jonathan. We're going to be talking about patience, and it is always our objective with each subject we choose uh, to approach it in a biblical and very relevant, practical way. We search out the original context of the scriptures that we cite. We try to find their true meaning and combine those scriptures with the pressing issues of our day to give you something to really think about. And patience, Jonathan, everybody talks about not having enough patience. 
And Rick, that word is very misleading because there are so many different meanings to the word patience. It's just not one and done. Right. And, and, and I think that's part of what the value of this particular podcast will be, is to look to unfold what patience is, not in a traditional sense, but what is patience in a biblical sense? That's really the key. What is patience in a biblical sense? That's where we want to get to uh, with this podcast today. So, uh, folks, we're, it's going to take us a little bit of time to unfold the subject. So we're going to ask you to be patient. <laughs> so let's get started just with a, with a very typical, straightforward way. If you look patience up in the Merriam-Webster online dictionary, what does it tell you? Bearing pains or trials calmly or without complaint. Manifesting forbearance under provocation or strain. Not hasty or impetuous. Steadfast despite opposition. Difficulty or adversity. Able or willing to bear. Okay, so it's a lot about bearing pains and trials calmly forbearance, which is something we're going to talk about, not being hasty, not being impetuous, is, is being patient, uh, being steadfast, um, despite things going wrong. So there's a lot of shades of meaning in the dictionary. And again, I don't know that we always think about the variety of shades of meaning for a word um, like patience. So let, let's get ourselves started with that. And, and let's start, Jonathan, with a soundbite. We're going to have to kind of set this up a little bit. Um, we're going to be, be using a movie from 1984 called The Karate Kid. Now, I'm, folks, I'm sure that you, you, most of you have probably seen it. It's kind of a fun movie to watch. And um, the, the, the theme of the story, the, the basic theme is this young man moves across the country, I think, to California. He doesn't know anybody. He's sort of out of place. And uh, they're renting uh, their, their, their living space. And, and the, um, he meets up with this, with this Japanese individual who is very quiet, very calm. And he, needs, he wants to learn karate. I mean, he's like obsessed with karate. And so this, this old Japanese man, the kid gets beat up pretty badly, and the old Japanese man says, okay, look, I can teach you. And so he's like, yeah, great, I'm going to get back at those guys and you know, all of that, and you know, you know, he's all ready to go. And so the, the, uh, Mr. Miyagi is the Japanese guy's name, and, and he begins to teach him karate, but the kid doesn't know that he's teaching him. The young boy's name is Daniel, the teenager's name is Daniel. And uh, so Mr. Miyagi has him doing all kinds of household chores at the beginning, right? That's right. Washing cars, sanding floors, waxing cars, all kinds <laughs> of different things. And not a thing about karate. Well, this goes on for several days, and Daniel, the, the young man, is getting rather impatient. So we're going to drop in on Daniel's impatience. And this is a very choppy piece of audio because there's a little bit of swearing in it. We didn't want to play the swearing, so we cut it all out. So it might not make all sense, but it gives you a sense of Daniel's impatience because he's figuring, you're supposed to be teaching me karate. What's going on here? So, so you're supposed to teach and I'm supposed to learn, remember? For four days, I've been busting my damn thing. Meaning? I'm what? I'm being your slave is what I'm being, man. Now, we made a deal here. So? So? So you're supposed to teach and I'm supposed to learn, remember? For four days, I've been busting my damn thing. You learned plenty. I learned plenty. I learned how to sand your decks, maybe. I wax your car, paint your house, paint your fence. I learned plenty, right? Uh, not everything is as seemly. Oh, I'm going home, man. Daniel-san. Daniel-san. 
What? Come here. So, so that that's a classic interchange, because you have the impatient kid and the wise old man. And the impatient kid cannot understand what's happening, or in this case, what's not happening. And the wise old man is just trying to walk him through. There's a method to his madness, but the kid just doesn't see it. So it's a great, great example of, of being impatient because you want the results and you don't feel like you're doing the work. So that's, we're going to keep coming back to that, this little development process in this conversation between Daniel and Mr. Miyagi from the movie The Karate Kid. It's great, great, great movie. So, Jonathan, let's put the movie on the shelf for now. And okay. <laughs> um, let's set up our conversation. In the New Testament, there are several words, and you already mentioned this, there are several words that have to do with patience. And they can be di- divided into three basic approaches to patience. So what's the first approach to patience? Well, Rick, it means to be appropriate, to not be reactive. Okay, to be appropriate, to not be reactive. That's a very good uh, example uh, uh, for parenting. Uh, it's, it's, so, it's always so important to not be reactive as a parent because then you can begin to really communicate with your child. So the word for, for patience in the New Testament that, that gives us this sense is, well, what, what is the actual, I'm not going to ask you to pronounce the Greek word, but what does it mean? It means appropriate, that is by implication, mild. Okay, mild. Be mild, be calm, be cool. Be, be meek. Okay, good. So in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 3, now this is the Apostle Paul telling Timothy the kinds of things that elders in the church should be qualified with. And in this particular verse, it mentions this particular word. Not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous. Okay, so the qualification is you're not hasty, you're patient, you're calm, you're mild, you're not reactive. That is a very important uh, qualification for somebody who takes responsibility within the Christian church. Okay, and I would just want to add that I don't know that we see enough of that in a lot of churches. I think you're right. <laughs> so, so, so that's that's a qualification for an elder in the, in the Christian church. Uh, in James three seventeen, it also uses this particular word. But the wisdom that is far above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. All right, now I didn't hear, didn't hear the, the word, word patience. Yeah, I know you didn't. The <laughs> word gentle is actually the word for, for patience. Okay, so wisdom from above, pure, peaceable, gentle, mild, calm, not reactive. I mean, that's the idea behind this first approach to patience, which is to be appropriate and, and, and you know, Keep, keep things in, in order. It's how appropriate uh, you said that. So calmly go to <laughs> christianquestions.com and s- calmly sign up for CQ Rewind, the full edition. Hit the newsletter tab, quiet, full of graphics and illustrations. It's a topical Bible study. Okay, so CQ Rewind, the full edition, it is a free service available at christianquestions.com or through your um, through your app. So, Jonathan, as we continue, how do we become appropriate or even in our character? 
Uh, and, and before we get to the next scripture, I just want to give an example, because when I think of even character, what I think of is um, my Uncle Steve. Now, my Uncle Steve passed away a long time ago, but we used to call him Even Stephen because he had this, this sense about him that was very calm and very collected, and it was really, really very uh, inspiring to see that. So, uh, Jonathan, uh, let's go to Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. Jonathan, are you there? Yes, I am. Oh, okay. I, I hear you now. Okay, yeah, there was a, there was a little bit of, a, of an interference uh, in, in our connection there as we were talking. But uh, we want to get to uh, Philippians 4. Let's read Philippians 4, 4 through 7 to start with. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Okay, so th- we're, we're talking about being appropriate. And the word for patience in this verse, if you will, is 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 which words uh it is strong's 1933 which means um appropriate that is by implication right. mind so so it's mind. gentle spirit let your gentle spirit be known to all men let your calmness your appro- and, and, you know to be appropriate is completely lost especially in american society today. We have lost the idea of what it means to actually be appropriate. We are the way we feel like we should be. And that is flies right in the face of having a patient, clear attitude toward, toward life as a Christian. So, You're right, Rick. And I think being even-tempered really, really helps. And even when there's technical difficulties on our podcast, <laughs> we're to be calm and just wait until we hear the voice again. <laughs> That's right. And, and folks, for, for those of you who don't know, what happened was in the middle of, of my conversation with Jonathan, I got this little sign that popped up that said, your internet connection is unstable. And there's this frozen look on Jonathan's face like, <laughs> now what? <laughs> That's right. Be calm. Let's be appropriate and work our way through such things. So, you know, our appropriateness comes from our focus on that which is higher and faith in that which is mighty. Appropriateness is so hard to find when we're basing it on how we feel. You've got to look above yourself and outside of yourself to godliness to find real true appropriateness in terms of our actions and our reactions. So in, now, as we search for that, let's go back to Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9, and these are very, very familiar verses. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Okay, so, you know, the, the, the idea here is our evenness, you know, just like with my uncle, Uncle Steve, we called him Even Stephen. Our evenness depends upon the continual resetting of what we will allow our minds to dwell on. And that's such a powerful thing, to, to reset our minds on what we allow it to dwell on. So there's a choice here. There's got to be, to be able to be patient 
in a biblical sense means you have to, to, to make the choice to reset your thinking. And Rick, with the distractions in our world today, how, you know, we're being bombarded constantly to take our focus off of the Lord and developing Christ-likeness. So we need that reset button as much as we can use it to our advantage to bring honor to the Lord. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it's, it becomes a matter of critical um, importance to our Christian success to be able to find that, like you said, that reset button. And again, the, the Scripture tells us, well, think on the things that are honorable and right and pure and lovely and, and, uh, and have excellence, spiritually speaking. Those are the things we've got to think on, and those are the places we've got to go in our, in our minds. So, so, Jonathan, at the end of each of our segments, or at the end of this particular segment, we're going to look at something about that we've learned about godly patience. What have we gotten to, to, to chew on about godly patience from this first segment? Well, Rick, godly patience is found in, in our choice to rejoice the way we pray and seeking godly thinking. Okay, it's founded in our choice to rejoice. So godly patience is not—rejoicing is not an emotional outburst of, oh, praise the Lord! It is a state of being that is focused and clear and, uh, and, and, and thinking on higher things. That's what our godly patience uh, really truly is. And that's what we need to be looking for, you know, as we, as we search to find— uh, better clarity and understanding the things we're talking about related to patience. Rick, that brings us to another question. Being even keeled is great, but isn't patience also about standing firm under lengthy ordeals? Now let's bring the better questions. That's how we get the better answers. And that's a good question. Patience does have its beginning in an even-keeled approach to life, but it certainly does not end there. As we will see, biblically defined patience focuses us on managing our way through long periods of unsettled life experiences. So, Jonathan, the, the point is patience is about the long-term approach to dealing with our lives and to dealing with our experiences. And um, so you're right, being even-keeled is a good place to start, but it's got to be more than that. So what's going to be now, now the first approach to patience was to be appropriate or to be even. What's the second approach to patience? It's defining patience as forbearance, the ability to hold yourself back. Okay, forbearance is an interesting word because that's a word we don't use a lot. Uh, to forbear, to forbear means literally to hold yourself back. Now, um, in the uh, in, in the example of um, uh, of of the Karate Kid, we're going to get back to that in a moment. But in that example, Daniel, the young man, was not holding himself back. He was mad, and he was accusing Mr. Miyagi of taking advantage of him, of just just not caring about him, and 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 being all full of himself. And I've had enough. I quit. This is it. There's, he, there was no forbearance. There was no holding himself in check to say, what's going on? What's the, why are we doing this and not practicing, so to speak? So with that, let, let's actually, uh, well, first, let, let's make sure the, the definition of forbear is clear. Again, let's go to the dictionary. Let's get the definition here. Well, Rick, it means to do without, 
to hold oneself back from, especially with an effort, and to leave alone or shun. Okay, so when you forbear, you leave something alone. You, you want to react, but you decide not to. Again, the idea of patience being a choice uh, rings loud and clear here. So let's go back to the karate kid. Uh, Daniel just threatened to, um, to, to, to quit, and Mr. Miyagi said to him, Daniel, son. And he's like, what? <laughs> now let's see what happens. Show me Sander floor. I can't move my arm, all right? What are you doing? What are you... Ow! Ow, what are you doing? Now show me Sander floor. How did you do that? Shut up! Stand the floor. Stand up. Show me Sander floor. Sander floor. Sander floor. Big sucker. Sander floor. Sander floor. So he's he's he's. When, when Mr. Miyagi had Daniel doing all of these chores, he was having him do it with very specific arm motions, very specific body motions to make those body motions part of him. So sand the floor meant these big circular arm motions. And he said, when he says, show me sand the floor, there was a purpose to it. The kid didn't see it, but the teacher always knew it. And isn't that and just, go ahead. It was great. And it's for a defensive move to protect oneself from being hit. And that movement protected him. So, and, and, but he had no idea. And when we look at our patients in relation to God, we generally have really no idea what his big master plan is for us personally and how he can teach us all of the things we need to learn. And in this case, in this part of our conversation, the idea of forbearance. Uh, so, so Jonathan, uh, as we have mentioned, this is a call-in format. What's the, what's the deal with that? Somebody wants to call in, what do they do? Well, all they have to do is give us a call at 866-985-FOR-ALL. That's 866-985-4255, a toll-free call. Okay. Uh, so we, we'd love to hear from you. You can also message us uh, through your app or send us an email. Or uh, if you're on the Mixler uh, live listening board, you can get in involved in the chat going on there as well. So patience as forbearance is a chosen pattern of behavior as we generally uh, approach our experiences. Okay, so the word that we're going to be focusing on, um, th there's, a, there's a, a few words here. The first word for patience, no surprise, what does it mean? Well, Rick, it means enduring of ill, that is forbearing. Okay, holding yourself back, being able to put up with something difficult. And, uh, and again, the, uh, let's go back to 2 Timothy 2.24. Again, this is the qualifications uh, for someone to become a, an elder or a teacher in a Christian church. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient. Okay, apt to teach, and then it says patient, and again, the meaning forbearing, being able to hold yourself back. And what a great combination to be apt to teach, but to be willing to hold yourself back. So you're not teaching with arrogance, 
you're teaching with the student in mind because sometimes the student may not get it. And so you have to have that ability to hold yourself back along with your ability uh, to, to teach a point. And it also reminds me, Rick, of the way to say it. Stop yourself from reacting so that you don't react before the, the right time to answer or help. Right, right. Hold yourself back. Another word for uh, forbearance or, or patience uh, in this second level or second approach to patience, which is forbearance, uh, means the same thing, right, Jonathan? Yeah, pretty much. To be long-spirited, that is, forbearing or patient. To be long-spirited. Let's, uh, well, let's go to Matthew 18, 26, uh, and this is from one of Jesus' parables. The servant, therefore, fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Okay, have patience. Be long-spirited with me. Don't react. Hold yourself back. I know that I'm in line to be punished because I borrowed more than I can pay back, but give me some space. Help me by not reacting. That's part of godly patience, and it's an important part of godly patience. Uh, let's let's go to another scripture, and then I've got a a comment from I'm not sure from where, but <laughs> uh, another another word very similar to that one. It's got a very strange definition. It, it does, Rick, and <laughs> long enmity, that is uh, forbearance or fortitude. All right, and th- and then with long enduring temper, le- uh, leniently. Right. So that first word is long enmity. Now I didn't know that was a word. And I didn't make it up, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> but again, going to 2 Timothy 4.2, um, just, just let's hear how this drops in to what our Christian character should be built upon or should look like. Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. So, Rick, the word long-suffering is this word for patience. Okay, is this word for longanimity? I like that word. I might say it a few more times. <laughs> uh, and so it's this word for not being reactive. Now, now uh, Trish Hanami comments, and they may be her questions or somebody else's, I'm not sure, but she says, okay, does patience mean no action? Because that's what we keep seem to be saying here. And she says, it's kind of wimpy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, okay, you're just supposed to sit back and take everything. And is that where patience begins and ends? And that is part of patience, but that is not all of patience. That's right. Somebody has to be more forbearing and wait for the answer of what else patience is. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. And then, and then there was this also this question um, we said we said in the at the end of the first segment. You know, make the choice to rejoice. She said, "This is godly patience. I don't get it." And to make the choice to rejoice. Uh, godly patience is to, to, to be able to, to be calm, and rejoicing under trial is an act of great patience because it's saying, I don't feel like being like this. I would rather react. I would rather do something that may not be the best thing because it's how I feel, but I'm going to rejoice in the Lord always because I will wait on his overruling rather than trying to plow through and overrule it myself. So that's what we mean by having the choice to rejoice, being something of, of great, actual, great, great patience uh, in our lives. So, so good questions. So Jonathan, with this idea of forbearing, 
um, you know, holding yourself back. You know, you know, kind of what I picture here is, um, you know, so you, a couple of guys get into an argument and there's maybe a little bit of pushing and shoving going on. And then you see this one guy who wants to just go after the other guy, but his teammates, you know, hold him back. And yeah. he's struggling. Grab his arms. Yeah, Don't he's struggling. Yeah. <laughs> let, let, me, let me get him. Let me. We should not be like that, even in small things. We should be able to forbear because that is a Christ-like objective of our lives. We should be able to hold ourselves back. Now, it's not so dramatic when you hold yourself back. Nobody knows the big feelings and the emotions that you might be having. But the question is, what's the most important thing? Is it to do the right thing or to display, I am so angry and I need somebody to hold me back to show them your anger? Or is it a better, more Christ-like thing to show them your forbearance? That's what patience is about. That's what patience is about. The thought here is that patience being defined is a willingness, is that, I'm sorry, the, the patience being defined is a willingness to not only be non-reactive and appropriate but to be willing to wait for a situation to completely unfold, to be disciplined in holding back. This patience gives the benefit of the doubt and can only be truly displayed by humanity through a humble spirit. That's the kind of patience we need to be looking for in our Christian lives. There's a lot of wisdom to waiting and, and letting it work itself out um, before you react. Because I know I need to say that to me over and over again because I am a very reactional kind of guy. Well, and, and, and look. But I think I've seen that before me, and it's been amazing. So this See, the patience of even that. Yeah, I know. We're, uh, we're having a little bit of a connection problem there. Uh, you seem to be back, though. So, you know. The, the important thing with, with patience in, in that aspect, you know, the, the idea of waiting for a situation to completely unfold. It doesn't mean you don't react. It doesn't mean you don't do things that are, are appropriate. It doesn't mean you don't do things that are necessary, but it means that you wait for enough to unfold so that what you do can be done well and with clarity and with godly thinking in your heart and your mind. That's what the kind of forbearance we're talking about here, not being wimpy and not just doing anything well you know uh, jonathan rick said i should be patient so i'm just not going to do anything no 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 no. that's not what the scriptures are teaching us here we have to make sure we're, we're on the on the right page uh w with all of that and uh so so jonathan let's go to a um to another soundbite this is from a motivational video uh about patients from uh, a site called daily dose and this is a a business building motivational video so you know we're going to hear things that are, are are more in line with business building but the there, there's a lot of energy being being expressed in this in this soundbite in terms of putting things in perspective and like you were saying waiting for things to properly unfold so let's just listen here i'm not coach right now i'm your conscience you're you're in a fight between will and skill i say will first because that's where you are you locked and loaded with skill you practicing every day you putting in your work you buying everything you making an investment you living your dream you walking like your dream you're surrounding yourself around your dream you got mentors everything you putting your work in. you got your skill now it's a test of your will 
It's a mindset thing you're in right now. It's a mindset thing because your challenge, your challenge ain't moving. Your mountain is not moving. You don't feel like you're making any progress. You're not physically moving when you see everything else around you and other people around you moving. You're not making progress. You're in the test of your will right now because life says it has a little more test for you. And that's where the patience comes in. Life says it has a little more test for you, so you've got to put it in perspective. And I love the example. It's a test of your will now, not your skill. Okay, you've got great skill. Wonderful. Where is your will? And our will has to be to have that forbearance in fulfilling the will of God. And Rick, um, it's important for everyone to realize that we have a Christian Questions app, a free app that you can download from your Google or Apple store by searching Christian Questions Radio. And in doing that, you can actually sign up for CQ Rewind, the full edition, right off of your app. And I tell you, for a subject like this, Rick, it's so important to see the definitions and to see how patience develops through this outline so that we can see it's not just sitting there like a doormat. Right. Uh, it, and it's going to progress. And when you see that progression, it'll make so much more sense in writing while you're listening at the same time. All right. So Christian Questions, if you don't have the app, get it. It's a free app. If you don't get Christian Questions, uh, see, subscribe to Secret Rewind, the full edition. Please do so. You can do it through the app or through the website. It gives you the scriptures and the tools to put this patience in place. And it, patience, godly scriptural patience is a life changer if we can uh, accept it that way. There's a great quote from someone by the name of Saadi. What is the quote? Have patience. All things are difficult before they become easy. <laughs> exactly. So, so let's take a look quickly here at godly forbearance. Romans chapter 1 was all about blatant idolatry and sensuality. And then when you go on to Romans chapter 2, Paul is urging us to hold ourselves back, to forbear, if you will, uh, from judgment without proper cause and place. Romans 2, verses 1 to 2, and then we'll go to verses 4 to 6. Therefore, you have no excuse Every one of you who passes judgment, for in which that which you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. And we know that judgment of God rightly falls upon those who practice such things. So we are to forbear, hold ourselves back. He says, hey, look, you know, take it easy, hold yourself back, because God in his spiritual wisdom, he forbears. So we have to follow his example. Let's go to verses four to six. Or do you think lightly on the riches of kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will return to each person according to his deeds. Okay, so his kindness and tolerance and patience is what we have to be focusing on, not our own feelings of things. And Rick, that reminds me of God has been holding back for over 6,000 plus years during this permission of evil. Um, it's not time until sin runs its course before he brings righteous judgment to all. That's right. He How can hold back. He is. Right. Wow. He can hold back like that. We can certainly hold back for five minutes. Okay. So <laughs> what does godly patience bring us in this segment, Jonathan? Well, Rick, godly patience is developed and displayed in not merely tolerating or putting up with situations, but it is instead developed and displayed 
in the holding back of our reactions with godly, wise, and long-term thinking. Okay, so it's developed and displayed in not just tolerating, but making that decision to clearly and firmly hold back on things because there's a better way. Okay, Rick, we get the point. But what about to be even keeled and to hold myself back sounds like a good old-fashioned patience. So, are we done? Are we good? Tradition is special until it's meant to be shaken up. It's time to see if we stay on track with it or not. So are we done? No, 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 not at all. We are not done. Appropriateness and self-control are hugely important as foundation pieces for what comes next. And here's where it gets really big. The patience road in the Bible now turns us toward the most transformative kind of patience yet. So we had the being appropriate. That was good. We had the forbearance. That was good. This is really, in Scripture, where the rubber meets the road in relation to patience. What's the third uh, and most common biblical approach to patience? Well, Rick, patience is deep, sound, and powerful endurance. Okay, deep, sound, and powerful endurance. I don't think that we often think about patience as actually being endurance. I think we think about patience as waiting around. But patience is much bigger and much deeper than that. The word for patience, the scripture, you know, in your patience possess you your souls. We touched on that in the opening comment, Luke 21, 19. What does that word for patience mean? Well, Rick, it means cheerful or hopeful endurance, constancy. Okay, cheerful or hopeful endurance, constancy. It means that we have got to... Um, put things in perspective for a long period of time. Now, there's another word very, very similar to that in the New Testament uh, for patience that we want to get into. What is it? It means to stay under or behind, that is remain or to undergo, that is bear trials, have fortitude, persevere. Okay. All of these words are in the same category as... um, uh, the 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 word for patience and jonathan we have a call so i'm going to take that call now i think we have uh, julius from connecticut good evening julius and welcome to christian questions uh, good evening rick thank you good evening also to jonathan thank you for taking my call it is a privilege to participate in your study uh the most patient uh, person in the universe I think it would be fair to say, in my opinion, is our, our loving Heavenly Father, our God and Creator. And uh, to study and appreciate patience and to define it, I would say to, it is to study our God, study His character. And then not only can we define patience by studying our God, but to live it also. Thank you. God bless. Julius, thanks so much. Great thoughts uh, Great thoughts and comments as usual. Have a great day. Um, very uh, important um, comment, Jonathan. Very simple. Very simple. You find the best patience by looking to the one who's most patient. Study the character of God and find what patience really means. And God's patience, like you mentioned in the last segment, is much more than just waiting around. It is that endurance, that willingness to allow something to happen until it comes to fulfillment. I mean, you think about that uh, just very quickly. 
And you think that God is happy with the world of sin and death? No. No. But he's waiting for sin to run its course. And it takes a lot of waiting to get there. But once it's done, it will be done. And then he will intervene at the appropriate time. So that, that word for patience that you mentioned before the call, and again, thanks, Julius, for your participation, means to stay under, to undergo, to bear trials, to have fortitude. James 5.11 is a good verse that uses that word. Behold, we count them happy which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. Okay. We count them happy who endure, who can stay under the trial. Uh, the patience of Job is, is an example here. The patience being defined here is a determination to remain in a difficult position, to cheerfully endure and to have fortitude based upon your ability to continually remind yourself of your own deliberate purpose. See, Jonathan, nobody stays under a trial to, to bear it unless they understand what their own purpose is. Why am I doing this? If we have and remind ourselves of that deliberate purpose, then we can bear up under the difficulty. This patience is really an extraordinary endurance that finds its courage in a crystal clear mental picture of its expectations. That's why God has been patient, like you said, for 6,000 years. He has a crystal clear picture of his expectations, and he will wait until the appropriate time so his expectations can come to fruition. And Rick, our trials are to teach us lessons to be more Christ-like. So we want to learn those gems that we need in our character to improve so that we can be more pleasing to our Heavenly Father. So we have to keep on keeping on in those trials. That's right. And again, know the purpose, adopt the endurance. Know the purpose, adopt the endurance. So let, let's drop in on uh, Danielson and uh, Mr. Miyagi uh, as he is now uh, going to be showing him a little bit more about what all of his work has been for and uh, to, to help him understand that I've been training you all along. Now show me wax on, wax off. Aye. <laughs> Wax on, wax off. Wax on, wax on, hey, wax on, hat. Wax off, hat. Concentrate. Look in my eye. Lock a hand. Thumb means. Wax on, hat. Wax off, hat. Wax on, hat. Wax off, hat. Wax on, wax off. And, and Jonathan, you know, uh, the thing I love about that particular soundbite is, you know, he says, show me, wax on and wax off. And the kid says, wax on, wax off. You know, he's not getting it. He's not present. And so his teacher is bringing his level up. He's saying, no, be serious, concentrate, look in my eyes, show me the movement, show me the movement. And it's beginning to dawn on Daniel now that, wait a minute, I've actually been learning something. It's just beginning to turn that little light bulb on. And folks, that's the way we need to be. We need to be willing to have that light bulb turned on in our minds when we're going through those difficult, long, difficult trials. And we say, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Ah, show me wax on, wax off. You know, <laughs> look in my eyes. Focus on the right things. Great Christian example of endurance. Hebrews 10, 32 through 36. 
But remember the former days when after being enlightened, you endured a great conflict of suffering, partly by being made a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations, and partly by becoming sharers with those who are so treated. For you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property, knowing that you have yourself a better possession and a lasting one. This is a really amazing couple of scriptures that you know, I don't know that, that, that we, we necessarily always focus on what the apostle's saying here. He's writing to Hebrew Christians in general, and he's saying, remember the trials that you had gone through before. So apparently they had gone through some very difficult trials, had come to a, a place of maybe not so much difficulty, and maybe were facing more trials again. He's saying, remember the former days when you were really enduring, and that word for enduring is the same word for patience. It means to stay under, to, for, to have fortitude, great conflicts of suffering, being made a public, public, public spectacle through the, the difficulties that you had. In other words, you were persecuted. You, you were looked upon and you were made fun of and you were looked down upon in, in, in a social environment. Remember how you dealt with that? And then he says, uh, remember how you, uh, you showed sympathy to those who were actually prisoners of Christ and even accepted when they, they, they unlawfully took your property because you were a Christian? He says, remember how you accepted that? Now, does he say, and I'm sure you liked it? It wasn't about, about liking the experience. No, but he, they had that inner peace, that joyful attitude saying, the Lord is with me. He's working with me through this experience. I can trust in him. Right, right. So, I mean, knowing that you had your, yourselves a better possession and a lasting one, knowing that there was more to life as a Christian than your physical property and your, your physical reputation and um, all the things about this life. He's saying, remember, you've been through that before. Now in verses 35 and 36 of Hebrews 10. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has the great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. So he gives a great equation here. He says, therefore, because you know what it's like to have endured difficult, difficult things, don't throw away your confidence in God now. Because there's great reward for having confidence in God. You still have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God again and continually, you may receive what's promised. You've done it before. You can do it again. And folks, in our lives, you can look back at your own experience and you can see where I've had this kind of difficult before. I, difficulty before. I've been tested before. I have been tried before. I've had to bear great weights before. And I know how God delivered me. And if he delivered me then well, then why don't I have the endurance so he can deliver me again? Great point, Rick. We welcome all comments or questions, even if you disagree with us. Give us a call. We're live at 866-985-4ALL. That's 866-985-4255. Okay, so this is such a great example of Christian endurance. We can look back at our own Christian lives and say, yes, I remember when. And here's what I learned. I don't want to go back to that, but I know that God provided me what I needed in that experience. And Rick, in the last verse that we read, keep the goal in mind for why you're 
enduring trials. Right. To receive what was promised. Remember that goal so you can endure. Just like we said earlier, have that deliberate purpose in your heart and your mind, and that grants you the endurance to be able to, to, to hold up under these things. Let's go back to the motivational video, Daily Dose, on patients. Remember, it was a business motivational video, and he's saying, you know, your will is being tested, not your skill. And that's really where endurance uh, comes into play. Every transformation always gets worse before it gets better. It's supposed to be that way. When you embark this journey, you must know that it's going to go down before it comes up. But when it comes up, it's going to go so much higher than you've ever been. The action of making progress is progress. The, the push itself, the fight, you get up and swing and miss, that's progress. You get up and you run at, at what you want with everything you got and you miss, that's progress. The effort of making the attempt is progress. And that's such a powerful thought. The effort of making the attempt, that in itself can be great progress. We need to be able to stand up and give it an effort. God doesn't, and the beautiful thing, Jonathan, is God doesn't always expect us to succeed, but he expects us to try, and he expects us to work at it, and he expects us to be persistent and to have that endurance because he has our back. And he judges us on our heart intent, not our perfection, because we're not going to look perfect in whatever we do. Right, and, and that's such an important thing. He judges us on the intentions of our hearts, and he can truly read our hearts. So don't try to pull one over on God as to what your intention is. He knows, and that's what we are judged on. Great quote from William Barclay. Endurance is not just the ability to bear a hard thing, but to turn it into glory. And again, that's what Christian endurance is truly all about. It is finding the ability to stand up under great pressure to turn it into glory because the glory is what God has promised. It's the glory that God gives in God's time, in God's way. So we've, we've looked at endurance now through three different lenses. First, the ability to be calm, to be appropriate. Second, the ability to hold yourself back. Third was the ability, the most common approach to patience in the scriptures is the deep, sound, and powerful endurance to bear up under difficult trials. The Apostle Paul helps us to understand that bearing up under trials can come in lots of different ways. So he literally puts faces on our endurance. Jonathan, the first face that we want to look at uh, and, and, and this is what the Apostle Paul does. He gives us pictures so that we can remember these lessons so they will truly, truly stick with us. The first face that we are going to be looking at is the face of a soldier, the face of one who is sworn to duty for a cause that he is willing to die for. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 2 to 4. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. Okay, being a soldier, he says, suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ. I, being a soldier, means that I am one of many who have been pressed into service to fight a common enemy, 
alongside of others to whom I am loyal. I will protect, I will work for, I will work with, and I will even die for my fellow soldiers. That's endurance. He's talking about suffering hardship with me. The face of endurance is the face of a soldier who has been highly trained and is part of a unit that together they accomplish their mission because they are trained and because they care for one another and because they have each other's back. So it's about being involved in that mutual experience. Let's go to uh, 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 to 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Did you notice how many times in that verse the Apostle Paul used the word we? We walk in the flesh. We do not war against the flesh. Uh, uh, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We are destroying speculations. We are taking every thought captive to, to the obedience of Christ. It's a mutual endurance together. We are building one another up in this endurance so we can stand firm under the great weight of testing that is necessary for a Christian. That's so, what Christian patience is. So the body of Christ has the highest standard of any group ever that was ever on this planet to strive together for heavenly glory if faithful and that's why that endurance is such an important thing because it is such a such a high high standard so what's our our, our takeaway uh regarding godly patience from this particular uh segment well rick godly patience is mastered in our mutual endurance in the collective fight that we as fellow soldiers are fighting for the sake of the gospel. All right, so the picture of soldiers is present. Now we need to go even further. Rick, on the personal side, so patience means endurance. Is this endurance only applicable in battle as fellow soldiers in Christ? It's time for a CQ deep dive. That's how we find the answers. For, for the true Christian, Jonathan, endurance is just as applicable in our own personal challenges and struggles as it is when we're collectively fighting the enemy. So both of those sides need to be in place. There is no aspect or moment or experience in our lives when this life-changing endurance will not be needed. You know, endurance, in my mind, is like a glove. It's a tool. Gloves can, are tools. It's a tool that needs to become a part of us. When you put that, those gloves on, you, you kind of forget that they're there because you, you wear them and you don't have to pick them up. They're already on. Our endurance should fit like a glove, our Christian endurance. So, Jonathan, as we continue, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was thinking of our enemy, Rick, because we talked about that in the last scripture we read, and then you mentioned it here in, in your, your words. Our enemy is the world and its influences on us, the flesh and its sinful weaknesses, and Satan, the devil, which is trying to trip up every follower of Christ so that they're not faithful to God. And in dealing with those enemies, those, those three aspects of, of, of the things that we need to, to, to face and, and conquer— you know, we become like, I'm going to go back to the Karate Kid, become, become like Daniel, 
who has been learning things, but he didn't know he was learning. And now his teacher, Mr. Miyagi, is showing him, this is what I've been teaching you all along. This is what I've been teaching you all along. And, and now he's starting to get enlightenment in terms of, okay, my lessons have actually been going on when I've been all kind of mad and frustrated about everything. So let's go back to uh, the Karate Kid and just hear that, that next level of, un, uh, uh, of, of the lessons that the teacher is teaching. Show me pinta fence. Up, down. Up, down. Up, down. Other side. Look, I. Always look, I. Show me paint house, say, say. Blacklist. Side, side. Side, side. Hush. I love his little reaction. Hush. <laughs> you know, but but see what he's saying the, the 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 kid is getting it now he's beginning to realize that okay this is what i've really wanted to learn but he wasn't hearing it while he was learning it he was fighting it and man sometimes we get just like that and we forget the endurance part and we start to complain you know you can't have an attitude of endurance and an attitude of complaining at the same time you're going to have one or the other. Now, they can, they can alternate. But I'm telling you, the attitude of endurance is a whole lot nicer to deal with. So, Jonathan, again, we're putting faces, or not us. The Apostle Paul is putting faces on endurance. The first face that he put on endurance in the last segment was the face of a soldier, working together with other soldiers to conquer an enemy. What's the next face? Well, Rick, the next face is an athlete. And the face of discipline and focus. It is the face of training to compete and win. Okay. Let's continue in Second Timothy, Second Timothy two five. Also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. Okay. So we're gonna pause right there. That's just one verse, but it is loaded. Think about this. And I'm gonna I'm gonna just give you a very short statement, Jonathan, but this to me is is, is one of the most powerful statements of essence in terms of our endurance. I am the one solely responsible for fulfilling my call. I'm responsible for that. And that's what the apostle is doing by talking to us about an athlete. He's saying, I must compete honestly and with all of my strength and my focus and my endurance so as to be considered one who may be by God's grace, in the position of winning the prize. That is, so, so here, in this case, for once in our Christian lives, you know, we're always talking about it's, it's all about, you know, the, the body of Christ. It's all about others. others. Yes. And, and it is. It truly is. I mean, Jesus' life was all about serving others. There was no question about that. But in order for him to best serve others— he had to best put himself in a position of self-denial and doing God's will. So in this case, right here, right now, in this example, in the face of an athlete in relation to endurance, it's for, for this time, it is really all about me. Because the athlete here, Jonathan, being talked about in 2 Timothy, and we're going to go to 1 Corinthians in a minute, but the athlete being spoken about is not on a team. The athlete is running an individual race in which there is an individual winner. And the apostle uses that as the picture to show us how important 
our development of personal endurance is in our personal responsibilities. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through, well, let's do 24 and 25 first. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Okay, so you see how he's talking about running in a race, but how many receive the prize? One. Just one. So the picture here is he's saying, okay, look at yourself, look into yourself, and understand the kind of endurance you must have to win the race that you individually are running. Now, we all run for the prize of the high calling, but Jonathan, I can't run for you nor can you run for me. We have to run individually. Now, we can help each other along the way, but you are inevitably responsible for where you end up as I am inevitably responsible for where I end up. By the grace of God, of course, but it's got to be our effort, our desire, our heart. So verses 26 and 27. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air. But I discipline my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. So again, the apostle is saying, look, I'm running with an objective. I'm not running without aim. I'm boxing not to just beat the air, but I'm boxing to beat my opponent. I'm boxing to beat Satan back. I'm boxing to beat back the world. I'm boxing to beat back the flesh. I'm boxing to beat the—I have an objective— my body must be the slave of my spiritual mind. That's what he's saying. So that because I could preach to others, but myself not make it. That's how important that individual effort and endurance is. And this is the Apostle Paul talking, yeah. Eric. The yeah. one that we look at as what an amazing individual that brought praise, honor, and glory to our Heavenly Father and our Lord Jesus. And he is concerned about not qualifying. Right, right. So if he is, shouldn't we? I mean, really. <laughs> Amen. So, so, so the, the, the call of Christ here, Jonathan, is so lofty and so privileged that we cannot let up in our attitude of endurance. Even the Apostle Paul, like you said, who was the epitome of self-sacrifice, tells us that he needed to be ever vigilant. He needed to focus. He needed to pay attention. So we certainly have to uh, step up to that challenge. And Rick, the conversation continues online at ChristianQuestions.com. Contact us there with your questions or comments. Also, interact with us on our Facebook. Tweet us at CQNet Radio. And we're now on Instagram. All right, so lots of ways to contact us. And we've actually had some really wonderful, wonderful conversations back and forth with many, many individuals throughout the world. Uh, about the gospel. And Jonathan, there's nothing better than all of that. I'll tell you, there's just nothing better than that. Um, so we, we need to move forward a little bit here. So Rick, what is the difference between success and failure and winning and losing? And, you know, there, you, can, you can talk a lot about a lot of differences, but I really think that it comes down to endurance, the patience to always strive the never-give-up attitude, that, that attitude that says, I'm just going to keep on going no matter how often I get beaten down. It, in my experience, Jonathan, someone who has that attitude of deep endurance can overcome, can beat someone who has greater talent because it's that attitude of mind and will set on the objective 
that can really raise us up. Proverbs 24, 16, I think, really bears this out. For a righteous man falls seven times and rises again, but the wicked stumble in time of calamity. All right. Righteous man falls. I mean, you think, well, if he's righteous, he shouldn't fall, but he does. But then he gets up. Rick, it's inevitable that we're all going to fail because we're not perfect. But I think the point is, don't give up. Right. Get back up. Right. And, And look, God is a forgiving, loving, merciful God. We get back up. We dust ourselves off. We ask for forgiveness. We act forgiven. We do the things to make up for what we did. And then we continue to move forward. And... And sometimes we, we move forward and things don't seem like they're happening fast enough. Well, again, let's go back to the, uh, the patience, the motivational video from Daily Dose, because that's the, the, the subject of this, this particular part of it. Okay, when, when is something going to happen? You pushing and you're pushing and you're pushing and you're pushing and you're doing everything right. You're tired, you're exhausted, and ain't nothing happening yet. That word is what you're waiting for yet because I promise you if you keep pushing if you keep giving me all your effort it will happen you have to be equipped mentally to endure this process knowing what you're about to go into is step one knowing it's an uphill battle but a winnable one and one that's achievable And at the end of this race guys you're gonna be more capable the first step guys is knowing it's a tough road and, and again, you know, you're pushing and you're pushing and you're trying and you're trying and, you know, nothing's happening yet. It doesn't mean you stop. It means you're, you're, you're on the right track and it takes a long time for sometimes for, for things to, to actually pan out in a way that we can understand it. And oftentimes when you look back on the experience, you say, oh, look, I can see the progress now looking back now that it's all over. But when you're in the middle of it, you're saying, what the heck? You know, this is, this is, a, this is, a, this is a, a, a nowhere battle. Great quote from George Keenan. Heroism is endurance for one moment more. Simple and straightforward. That endurance for one moment more. Again and again and again in our lives. Our personal task of endurance can be best accomplished when we know where to look for our challenges. You've got to know where to look to find the things that are going to challenge you and where not to look. James 1, uh, verses 12 to 18. We're just going to take uh, James 1, 12 and 13 to start. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. Okay, so... The, the lesson that I get from those verses, Jonathan, is really simple. God never sets us up for failure. I mean, you got to think about that. You got to understand that. You've got to appreciate that. You've got you've to absorb that. If you're going to live a life of endurance, the thing you've got to understand is God will never set you up for failure. This is a guarantee of what we don't have to be concerned with. We don't have to be concerned with God being out to get us. You know, we don't have to be concerned with God setting us up into an experience and then just forgetting about us. That's not it. We don't have to worry about that. There's so much more here. We can, perseverance, that standing up under the deep, difficult trials, says we we always know that God is never going to set us up in a way that we will fail. He's not going to set us up so he can laugh at us 
later on. It's a guarantee that he's not going to 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 hurt us in our experience, and that means it's a guarantee that he's setting us up so we can actually succeed. Uh, verses uh, fourteen through sixteen of James one. But each one is tempted when he is carried about and enticed by his own lust. Then, when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Okay, so here. It's telling us that we can easily set ourselves up for failure. So when you're looking for somebody to blame, do you look at God or do you look at you? (laughs) It's me. (laughs) This is a warning of where we need enduring vigilance. We need enduring vigilance because when we are inevitably in a situation where we can fail, it comes down to me. So we can set ourselves up for failure. How about an example? You're dieting and you stock the house with junk food. Oh, good. Can I come over? (laughs) Failure. We need to make straight paths for our feet. Well, if you have the house stocked with junk food, Jonathan, and you need to be on that diet, let me come over and help you out with that. Okay. I'm I'm more than happy to to step up for my buddy. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) All right. So look, you're right. You, we, it's so easy for us to set ourselves up for failure because we're so imperfect. So let's go back to the source of everything that is good and perfect. Verses 17 through 18 of James 1. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. In the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, so that we would be a kind of first fruits among his creatures. So what I get from these verses, the first set of verses says God never sets us up for failure. The second set said we can set ourselves up for failure. These last few verses say the utter stability of God's character and promise guarantees our endurance can produce success. It guarantees that our endurance can produce success. God's stability guarantees that our endurance can produce success. Just We just got to realize how powerful that is. We have the ability to be successful. And, you know, you were talking earlier, Jonathan, about this being the highest call of any call, which means it's, 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 it's calling us to a higher level than, than anyone else. And, well, how are you expected? I mean, look. Let's face the fact, you know, when you look at you and me, we're, we're, not, we're not two really great, talented individuals, right? We're, <laughs> no, we're pretty no. normal, right? We're pretty yeah. regular. We're pretty broken. We <laughs> okay, but God calls those types of individuals so that his glory can shine through them. But that can only happen if we allow it to shine through us. That's really what we have to be focusing on. And that's what takes such endurance in our lives. And again, the endurance is patience. You know, and we start out with the question, what's your hurry? And what we found out is it's really not about hurrying at all. It's about bearing up with strength under difficulty and not being, not, not needing to look forward, but just needing to say, next step, next step, next step. So, so Jonathan, what is our, our, our godly patience lesson uh, that we can take from this particular segment? Well, Rick, godly patience is mastered in our individual personal endurance. It is not possible to find this endurance anyplace else but within our hearts and minds. Okay, our own hearts and minds have to produce this personal 
endurance. And again, the picture, the face of endurance in this segment is the face of an athlete competing in an individual sport. That means that I am purely responsible for success or failure here. Our endurance in Christ. Now, God gives us grace. Christ gives us strength. But we have to use them. They will not fail us, but we can fail us. That's where our endurance has to be strongest and has to be most focused. It really does come down to what we do with our lives. All of this being said, what about this question? We as Christians are pictured as soldiers and athletes in our need of endurance. Are we pictured as anything else? We've covered a lot of ground. There's puzzle pieces everywhere. Now let's put those pieces together. It is significant that our need to master endurance is shown to us in so many different ways because it proves how deeply valuable and life-changing endurance can be. And yes, there is another picture that the scriptures use to hammer home the point of that personal patience, that personal endurance. You have the picture of the soldier working with his unit. You have the picture of the athlete in an individual sport whose success or failure depends on his or her personal application of all those things through endurance. There is another face of endurance in Scripture. And what is that the face of? Well, Rick, it's the face of the farmer, the face of patience, knowledge, hard work, and constancy. It is the face of steady discipline and compassion. Okay, very different kind of face. You know, the, the soldier, you've got the glory of being a soldier. Of course, there's great danger, but the glory. The athlete, you've got the glory of winning. A farmer, there's no glory here. It's, it's, it's straightforward. It takes a long time. This is the least glorious face of, of patience and endurance, but it is an absolutely necessary face. Let's look at how the Apostle Paul describes this, again, in 2 Timothy, back to 2 Timothy 2, verses 6 and 7. The hardworking farmer ought to be the first to receive his share of the crops. Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Okay, so now he's talking about a farmer. Again, he talked about a soldier, he talked about an athlete, and now he talks about a farmer. He says he should be the first to, to receive a share of his crops. Now, when we look at this in a very personal way, uh, in terms of the farmer and the idea of endurance, here's, here, to me, here's, here's what it comes down to. I am one who has been called to the completely absorbing work of planting, cultivating, and harvesting the seeds of the gospel. I must maximize the environmental circumstances in which I plant, I must take advantage of the weather conditions as they change and follow the seasons as they dictate my work. The bottom line is I must pay attention to what's around me to be a successful farmer. Rick, um, it made me think of in Revelation, you remember where it talks about the, the seven different stages of the church? Yes, yeah. And I was thinking, Sowing the seeds of the gospel was different in all those different eras, and, and there's a different way to, to do it today it, it, because we have instant <laughs> um, computers to get information to anyone 
all over the world is very different than it was early on. But each stage did were had responsibility to do it the best they could any way they could. Right, right. And and that's actually a really good point because there was a different environment in each stage of, of the gospel. And now, look, we're in an environment where you're sitting, you know, in, in your, your space and I'm sitting in my space and we're talking to the world, literally. Now, how does that... Uh, Boy, if the Apostle Paul could have had that tool. <laughs> oh, look out. <laughs> so, but the thing is, whatever it is, we have to pay attention and we have to make sure that we make use of whatever the tools are that are set before us because, it, and it takes endurance to always be on it. You know, the farmer's endurance is the least appreciated because it's quiet, it's private in a lot of ways, and it's over a long period of time. So you don't see it the way you see the athlete. Or the, or the soldier, but it's still just as important. Let's now go back to our final soundbite from the Karate Kid movie. Now, this is Daniel gets it, and now Mr. Miyagi is really showing him what he has learned in a very dramatic way. Now, this might not make a lot of sense as a soundbite on, 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 on an audio podcast, but he's now putting all of these moves together, the wax on and the wax off and the sanding the floor and the painting and, and all of that, and showing him, this is what I've been teaching you. Show me wax on, wax off. Catch! 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 Show me paint the fence. Always focus, always concentrate. He kept telling him that all the way through. But then he showed him literally, this is why I taught you those things. This is why you painted the fence. This is why you sanded the floor. This is why you waxed the cars. Because I wanted your body to adopt these movements as natural. God does the same thing for us. It's not, it doesn't make us wax a car. But what he does is he, make, he, he helps us to take our experiences so that we can learn from them. He gives us experiences that will teach us. And Thomas Carlyle has a great quote along these lines. Endurance is patience concentrated. All right. And, and really, that's what we're talking about. Patience concentrated. That's the kind of patience that the Bible most talks about in the New Testament. It's that endurance, that bearing up under difficulty, under trial, under tribulation. You know, we're, we're talking about the face of the farmer in terms of endurance now. And, and with the, the face of the farmer, there's planting and harvesting. Um, it, come, it comes to play in two different areas. The first area applies to ourselves. Let's look at James 5, 7 through 11. This, this bears a little bit of, of explanation of how it applies to ourselves because it's easy to see how the, you know, the farmer applies to sowing the seeds of the gospel. But this is a little bit different. James 5, uh, 7, well, let's do 7 through 9 to start. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until it gets the early and late rains you too be patient strengthen your hearts 
For the coming of the Lord is near. Do not complain, brethren, against one another, so that you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. Okay, so he's talking about the, the, the focus of uh, being patient until the early and the later rains approach. You know, a lot of times you, you see the early rains and you wonder, well, the later rains are going to come. Maybe I should harvest early. I don't know. Da, 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 da. And, and, and you have to be patient to, to allow the environment to do what it's supposed to do for you. But in relation to ourselves, it's look, you too be patient. Strengthen your hearts because the day of the coming of the Lord, it, it, it'll be there. It'll be there. It'll be there for you. You just work on you. You be clear. Planting the seeds of spiritual growth requires forbearance. And that's the patience that was being spoken of in these verses, that forbearance, that holding yourself back, holding ourselves in check on many levels so that we can personally develop spiritual fruit. You know, Jonathan, developing spiritual fruit, it's not like saying, okay, God, here I am. I'm the soil. Plant the, plant the fruit trees in me and just let them grow. I'm ready. No, it's not. No, it is. We have to cultivate that soil in ourselves. Right. I planted a, a bush out there today. I had to put this special topsoil down with special nutrients to, so that it would those roots would get the best it could to get its start. Um, yeah, we need to do that in our hearts. We absolutely do. Now, let's go to verses 10 through uh, 11 of James 5. As an example, brethren, of suffering and patience, Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We count those blessed who endured. You have heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. So here it goes, it deals with the patience of holding yourself back of forbearance. And then it says, we count those blessed who endured. And you have endurance of Job. You've heard of the endurance of Job. So in our forbearance the, with the seeds of spiritual maturity, we will ultimately come upon a need for endurance. You've got to have endurance with forbearance, with that appropriateness that we talked about early. And again, sometimes, Jonathan, life happens and you think that it's going along without growth. You know, Daniel's son in, 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 in uh, The Karate Kid. Now, there was a kid. But, you know, we want to go to an example in nature that is really startling about growth that happens that you just can't see. This is a very, very short story about the Chinese bamboo tree. Have you ever heard of the Chinese bamboo tree? It's a pretty remarkable tree. You take the Chinese bamboo tree seed and you plant it. You water it and fertilize it. A year goes by and you see nothing. The second year comes and you water it and fertilize it again. Another year passes by and nothing. The third year comes. The fourth year comes and goes. You're watering and fertilizing and tending to that seed, but you see absolutely nothing. Something extraordinary happens in the fifth year. Sometime during the fifth year, the Chinese bamboo tree sprouts. And boy, does it sprout. It grows up to 80 feet in one season. However, did it really grow 80 feet in one season? No way. It actually grew in five years. For the first four years, the Chinese bamboo tree was growing an incredibly strong root system. It was just growing under the ground where you could not see it. The strong root system it grew for four years is precisely what was needed to support its exponential growth in the fifth year and beyond.
Isn't that amazing? That is amazing. <laughs> it's just such an awesome story, and it fits so well with the, the with the concept of patient endurance as a Christian, whether it be in the by the face of a soldier, by the face of a uh, an athlete, or now by the face of a farmer who has to have that patience. Where in this case, you see nothing for all those years, and then finally, you see something pretty magnificent. And, and Jonathan, the thing about that is 80 feet of growth in one year. That's incredible. But what you don't know is the incredible root system that's in place that feeds the 80 feet in one year. That's what can happen in our Christian lives. We can be growing underneath the surface and developing that root system so when those trials come, we have the ability to really, really sprout through them. And Rick, also our Christian experiences, sometimes the Lord presents us to do things that we're not comfortable with doing, but we're asked to, and we feel obligated to follow through. And it may not be a trial, but it, it is a stretching experience where you're going beyond your comfort zones to do things for others, even if you don't feel worthy or talented enough. That stretching and growing is going on. The Lord's giving us those opportunities if we take them. Welcome to podcasting. Because <laughs> isn't that what this has been for both of us? It's like, okay, this is a little bit too big for me. You know, uh, I don't know about this, but by God's grace, small step, small step, small step. Okay, so we've got that individual growth and development that's important. We've only got a few minutes left here. Let's look at the second way to apply this. The, the, the face of the farmer is the face of patience, knowledge, hard work, and consistency, the face of steady discipline and compassion, now in relation to sowing and nurturing the seeds of the gospel toward others. Let's go to the parable that Jesus spoke of the sower in Matthew 13, 18 to 23, and we'll take this in, in sections. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom seed was sown beside the road. Okay, so the sower is about his business. And at some point, seed falls out of the bag, essentially, and falls by the side of the road. And, uh, you know, and, and it gets snatched away because there's no ground for it to grow into. And, and you know, that just happens as part of the course so that the, 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 the sower needs to understand that you have to have enough seed to, to manage against those kinds of things. So the, that's the beginning stages and there is no fruit from such a stage. Do you worry about it? No, because your job is bigger than just that. So now verses 20 through 21 of Matthew 13. The one on whom the seed was sown on the rocky places, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. And when afflicted or persecution arises because of the world, immediately he falls away. Okay, so now you have seeds sown on the rocky places. And there's, a, there's an immediate sprouting up, but there's no longevity in it. There's no, there's no endurance in it. Because um, the minute something goes wrong, that seed will die because it's got no deep root. Not like the, uh, the Chinese bamboo tree. Now, when, when the, the, the sower of the seeds looks at that and looks at, at the result, does he say, oh, no, I'm in big trouble? No, because his job is bigger than that. It goes further than that. Verses, uh, verse 22. And the one on whom seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word and the worry of the world and the 
deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Some seed falls into places where there are too many thorns and too many other things that will get in the way and choke out the life of that. Now, the sower of the seed sees this, and, and, and you know, you've got the development process, and there's a failure in the development process. So does the, the sower of the seed say, oh, no, I've, I'm doomed, it's over? No, his work is bigger than that. He's got the endurance and the patience to look forward and beyond. And finally, verse 23 of Matthew 13 um, will, will, will give us the, 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 the final destination of those seeds. And the one on whom seed was sown on the good soil... This is the man who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some 60, and some 30. So now you, go ahead. Our goal is to help the good soil cultivate in others. Right. So we need to be clear on what our our goal is. And look, some 30, some 60, some some 100-fold. Do you get discouraged at the 30? No. You don't get discouraged at that because that's growth. Growth comes in different ways in different places and with different individuals. We've got to be able to accept and work with that. So, Jonathan, what is our finally, final godly patience lesson for today? Well, Rick, godly patience is mastered in our everyday, moment-by-moment opportunities to set and reset our hearts and minds towards those which is most important rather than which feels most pressing. Okay, reset our minds toward those things which are most important rather than those things which feel most pressing. Just because it feels that way doesn't mean it is that way. Apply that patient endurance, that appropriateness, that forbearance, and that strong endurance to bear up under trial to overcome those experiences in our lives. The scriptures give us lots to work with. Take what we're given and run with it. For Jonathan and Rick and Christian Questions, we hope you've enjoyed being with us today. We'll be back again next week with another subject. But till then, patient endurance. Think about it. And folks, we love hearing from you, our listeners. Let us know what you thought about today's topic. Suggest future topics. Start a conversation with us at ChristianQuestions.com. Make sure to download our app. Search Christian Questions in your app store. And we, again, look forward to bringing you a new podcast next week.